Hello and welcome to Dr. Jones's Veterinary Secrets Podcast. This is episode 119. In today's episode, fever in dogs and cats. When does your pet have a high temperature? And most importantly, what you can do about it. A new natural flea and tick preventive. You should know about this one. People taking high levels of essential fatty acids are far less likely to die of COVID. What this can mean for our animals. Lastly, fern leaf. It was used as a medieval cure for dandruff and it can also be helpful for many common pet conditions. Dr. Jones's Veterinary Secrets is on all your favorite podcast apps, including Spotify, iTunes, and Stitcher. I'd love it if you'd subscribe to my podcast and leave a review. Questions or suggestions? Feel free to post a comment about this podcast episode on the blog at www.theinternetpetvet.com. I encourage you to get a copy of my new free book, Natural Health for Dogs and Cats, in which I share the most important remedies to keep your pet healthy and naturally treat disease. You can get your copy by going here, www.veterinarysecrets.com. Now let's get right into today's podcast. Fever in dogs and cats. What are the signs? Signs and symptoms of fever in dogs and cats include the primary one of having an above normal body temperature. Your pet may have a decreased appetite and lower energy. Your dog or cat's ears can be hot to the touch and they may pant excessively in the house. Some pets will shiver, others can have an elevated heart rate. It's all much the same signs that people have with a fever. What are the causes? A fever is usually caused by a bacterial or viral infection. Having a high temperature makes it much more difficult for the bacteria the viruses to grow in the body. The problem with the fever in pets is they'll often stop drinking. Dehydration then becomes the primary concern. A normal dog's temperature is 100 to 102.5 degrees Fahrenheit, that's 38 to 39.2 degrees Celsius. A normal cat's temperature is 99 to 102 degrees Fahrenheit, that's 37.5 to 39 degrees Celsius. Taking your pet's temperature involves placing a thermometer in their rectum. If the temperature is 103.5 degrees Fahrenheit, that's 39.5 degrees Celsius or higher, then your dog or cat, they have a fever. The most common cause I would see in veterinary practice is from bite wounds. You know, search your dog or cat well for punctures. What are the solutions? Well, first of all, let's start with exactly what is your dog or your cat's temperature. You need to start with the obvious. You know, if their temperature is elevated above 103.5 degrees Fahrenheit, that's 39.5 degrees Celsius, then they have a fever. If the fever persists for more than 24 hours and your dog or cat is not drinking, call your veterinarian. If they're still drinking or in the interim before going to your veterinarian, here are some additional remedies and supportive care that you can consider. First of all, keep them well hydrated, you know, offering plenty of fresh water in different spots around the house. If your pet is refusing to drink, use an eyedropper or a turkey baster to squirt water into the side of their mouth. Minerals often become depleted when your pet is dehydrated. For an added boost, consider Pedialyte. It's an electrolyte solution available from your pharmacy. Some pets prefer chicken or beef broth or tuna juice. Give them whatever works. And consider learning how to give subcutaneous fluids. This means you're seeing your veterinarian, you're getting an IV fluid bag, you're getting a drip sat, and you're actually giving your dog or your cat a small amount of fluids in between their shoulder blades where you're putting a needle. It's just given under the skin. I often did this in veterinary practice and many, many times I showed clients how to do this with their dogs or cats at home. And it's actually very easy. I do have a video on YouTube. It shows you exactly how to do this. And I encourage you to go to my channel at www.youtube.com forward slash veterinary secrets. Call your vet. You know, if the fever is persisting for more than 24 hours, your dog, your cat's not drinking, call your veterinarian. Consider using a cool compress, and if your dog or cat's going to tolerate it, you can apply a cold cloth to their belly. The exposed skin will result in some fairly rapid cooling, making your dog or cat feel much better. 
More often than not, the infection is bacterial, viral, or it may be primarily an inflammatory disorder. So what we're wanting to do is bring down the inflammation. The over-the-counter medicine that is safe for dogs is aspirin, but you can never use aspirin in cats. The aspirin dose is one 325 milligram tablet per 40 pounds of body weight given every 12 hours to dogs only. You can consider a natural anti-inflammatory which may help bring down the fever, CBD or cannabidiol. The dose is three milligrams per 10 pounds of body weight daily and that can be safely given twice daily as needed. Consider some antiviral medications. For many of the dogs and cats that have fevers, they have an underlying viral infection. Think about a cat having the flu, your dog having kennel cough for instance. A really good option is elderberry extract. It's a great natural option, especially good for colds and flus, safe for both dogs and cats. The elderberry extract dose is 100 milligrams per 10 pounds of body weight twice daily. Consider honey. It is a very effective antibacterial. It's also been shown to be beneficial against some of the viruses. Super safe for both our dogs and cats. I found it to be very helpful for many animals that have underlying urinary tract infections, many animals that have coughs. The honey dose is a half a teaspoon per 10 pounds of body weight once or twice daily. Lastly, a couple homeopathics to consider. One is a Parcelf. We used to use this often for cats that have abscesses. The dose is one 30C capsule per 10 to 20 pounds of body weight, two to four times a day for seven to 10 days. And then as I said earlier, you know, if this fever is persisting, your dog or cat is not responding, it's been more than 24 hours, then go ahead, see your veterinarian, have them do an exam, appropriate workup, and figure out exactly what is the underlying cause. A new natural flea and tick preventive. Well, this isn't really new, but now there's new research showing that it works. When I first started in vet practice, I kept hearing from clients using brewer's yeast garlic to help keep fleas and ticks away. And I'm like, huh, does that really work? Initially, I would tell clients, one, I don't think it's going to be helpful. Secondarily, I was concerned about the garlic. Turns out I was probably wrong. Even today, if you go search for safety of garlic in dogs, the first thing that's going to come up in Google is something that comes from the Merck Vet Manual saying that garlic and other members of the aluminum family, including onions, they, can, they contain thiosulfate, which is toxic to dogs, but not to people. I'm like, okay, is this true? Well, now you can actually look at some more recent studies, and here's one super interesting one titled The Safety and Efficacy of Aged Garlic Extract in Dogs. What they found in their conclusion is that the long-term administration of aged garlic extract at a fairly high dose, 90 mg per kilo per day, did not show any adverse effects in dogs. The results suggest that aged garlic extract might safely contribute to the health of dogs, provided that it's used at the appropriate dose. Hmm, okay, things have changed. You now know that it's safe, but can it really repel fleas or ticks? I don't know. This comes out of Cornell. They said that garlic is a food crop with documented therapeutic and pesticidal effects. And now the EPA has certified a garlic product as a natural insect repellent. It's called garlic barrier. It's a very strong liquid garlic extract that mixes with water and is sprayed on farm and garden plants to keep insects off. Uh, in the statement from the company, listed as being completely safe around people, pets, animals, and fish when used as directed. But will this garlic repel fleas and ticks? Well, I'm starting to incorporate that in my own dogs and cats diet. A standard amount for a clove is about a quarter of a clove for 10 pounds of body weight daily. You could also make your own garlic spray. 
This includes minced garlic, mineral oil, lemon juice, and cheesecloth. Mince a few cloves of garlic and cover them with mineral oil. Allow them to sit and soak for 24 hours. After they're done soaking, remove the minced garlic chunks and mix the oil with two cups of water and one teaspoon of fresh lemon juice. Strain everything through a cheesecloth and add this to a spray bottle. So there you have it, a flea and tick preventative based on garlic, which is now shown to be safe and potentially very beneficial to our pets. I want to talk about this one recent study which yes it was about people but is very applicable to our dogs and cats. Research shows that people with high omega-3 index are far less likely to die from COVID-19. So this came from research at the Cedars-Sinai Medical Center in LA. The study included 100 patients admitted to the hospital with COVID-19. Clinical outcomes for these patients were obtained and blood was analyzed for the omega-3 index. And this is what they came to conclude. The pilot study, along with multiple lines of evidence regarding the anti-inflammatory effects of EPA and DHA, strongly suggests that these nutritionally available marine fatty acids may help reduce risk for adverse outcomes in COVID-19 patients. Larger studies are clearly needed to confirm these findings, said the lead author of the study. Another specialist from Germany said this, Asher and Al have demonstrated that a low omega-3 index might be a powerful predictor for death from COVID-19. Another omega-3 expert, uh, Dr. James O'Keefe from St. Luke's Mid-America Heart Institute in Kansas said this, an excessive inflammatory response referred to as a cytokine storm is a fundamental mediator of severe COVID-19 illness. Omega-3 fatty acids, DHA and EPA have potent anti-inflammatory activities and this pilot study provides suggestive evidence that these fatty acids may dampen COVID-19's cytokine storm. The story it's part of an interesting study and one of the big takeaways for me is highlighting the various benefits of omega-3 fatty acids as in better heart function, decreased inflammation, stronger immune response. All of this can play a role if your dog or cat is fighting off a viral infection. You know, I now have a concentrated omega-3 supplement in the form of krill oil. Krill seems to have the most concentrated forms of the anti-inflammatory omega-3s, EPA and DHA, and many animals respond especially well to it, as in they have less itching if they have an allergy. Regardless, I think it's worth a try. You can try by going to www.theomega3supplement.com. The last part of today's podcast, it's about ferns. There is a fern leaf that was used as a medieval cure for dandruff, and it may also help your dog and cat. New evidence suggests that fern leaf tea was used to treat ailments such as dandruff, hair loss, and kidney stones during medieval times. Archaeologists, they uncovered the body of a male dating back to the 9th or 10th century, where traces of cells from the leaves were found in the plaque of his teeth. Written descriptions with date back as far as the 1st century say the plant was used to help symptoms of non-life-threatening diseases. Historical records show that people made fern tea by infusing water with fresh or dried leaves, sometimes using orange skins for flavoring. The interesting thing about this fern, it was a specific type of fern called the maidenhair fern. And it's been very well documented as a very important herb with an array of different medicinal benefits. So this one big review study, I didn't realize this also was used in the Middle East. This came from Iran. They said that maidenhair fern exhibited to possess all these different potential properties, anti-diabetic, so benefits for diabetes, potential in our pets, as a painkiller. It has antibacterial, antifungal properties, important as being a natural anti-inflammatory. It can be used as a diuretic in terms of help removing fluid, aka we're talking about using dandelion leaf, say for animals that have heart disease, as well as being an anti-diarrheal. A whole array of different potential properties. The point I'm trying to make here is here is a plant that we've never even thought about or discussed. 
receipt was being used for a medieval man, you know, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of years ago. And now we're looking at it as you know, a possibility uh, as, you know, a treatment for some of the more difficult diseases to read in people and as well applicable that to our animals. And I love learning about new things. I love being able to teach you guys about new things. Something I'd never even thought of or heard of, right? I look at ferns all the time and I, hmm, I wonder if those have any medicinal properties. And sure enough, they did and they do. So thanks you guys for listening to this edition of the Veterinary Secrets Podcast. This is Dr. Jones. Questions or comments, you know, either one, you can leave a comment on the blog at theinternetpetvet.com. Also feel free to send me an email at podcast at veterinarysecrets.com. I'd love to hear your suggestions for future your podcast. I'm back to publishing regularly after taking a little bit of a break for summer. I hope you're doing okay. I hope your dogs and cats are doing well as well. And I hope you're finding this helpful. Once again, thanks for listening. I will be talking to you again soon. It's Dr. Jones.